Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 2, Episode 5, starring the beautiful and talented Judy Collins. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppet-sational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppet-sational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. How are we, everyone? It's very early, Lewis. <laughs> okay, so there has been a, a slightly contentious brunch that I have to go to today, which has meant that I have had to request <laughs> that this recording be done at 9.15 on a Sunday morning. However, in an interesting twist, this is the first episode of season two of Muppet Sational where I have not been hungover. So... <laughs> Ups and downs, ups and downs. Yeah, because you've requested an early recording. That's why you're not hungover. (laughs) None of you had Saturday night plans, right? (laughs) Well, I didn't after you said quarter past nine. (laughs) I'm very grateful to my two other podcast hosts for uh, giving me the leeway, despite the fact that I did put on the doodle poll that I was available if necessary, and then dates changed and were put in place <laughs> before I could say, yes, I'm still available. But we've all made it work. I'm sorry, Emma, you didn't get to go out clubbing on a Saturday night. <laughs> I actually was out on Saturday night. Where, Emma, where were you out? I'm very, I'm very Oh, uh, we went down um for uh, family friends for like dinner and I was literally like, oh, I got to get up really early for a podcast. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's more exciting than <laughs> Rich and I just watched Inventing Anna all, all evening. <laughs> oh my god! I need to know what the like Julia Julia Garner's accent is apparently very accurate to Anna Delvey, but she just sounds crazy. She just talks like this and moves her glasses, and I'm setting up the Anna Delvey Foundation. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Why is she talking like she has marbles in her mouth? Why do you dress so poor? That's what Why I'm... do you dress so poor? Oh, <laughs> uh, and for a show that in some ways looks so expensive, it also looks at the cheapest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> for every like genuinely gorgeous shot of the Eiffel Tower, there is some shocking green screen and just <sighs> It's a hilarious bishmash. I feel like they spent all the money on making sure that they had like the 2015 Chanel collection and none of the money on anything <laughs> else, basically. <laughs> oh my god, it's yeah. so... Sorry. Anyway, sorry, yes. I didn't mean to derail the podcast. <laughs> I, I thank your dad. <laughs> I'm going to try and not slip into my Anna Delvey voice for the rest of this podcast. We're here to talk about Jodie Carlands. <laughs> She definitely dresses like she's poor. Uh, what's with all of his milkmaid shards? <laughs> right. So, Jane, why don't you kick us off? With Sorry. Some I'll kick us off with some production information. Yeah. So, this episode was originally broadcast on the 29th of January, 1978. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> and it was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson, and Don Hinckley, and directed by Philip Casson. And 
Emma, I, I did a little bit of research into Judy Collins because she is not someone I particularly know, but I'm very curious to know what you found out about her because she's, she's had quite a life. She has. First of all, I'd like to say props to all her social media out there. I'm, I'm loving her website. That's a great website. Oh, really? Like the photo on it is amazing. Um, yeah, so Judy Collins is a singer and songwriter and she's had a career that has spanned many decades. She came into prominence in the 1960s and she's kind of mostly known for folk standards and original songs. In 1975, she released a version of Send in the Clowns and she won the uh, Grammy that year for Song of the Year. What? Um, she's on tour right now. She's amazing. She's 82 years old and she's still performing and touring. And she's pretty much released an album every decade since the 1960s. It is amazing. Emma, that uh, picture of her website that you sent me, I mean, she looks incredible. She's had that Jane Fonda work. Like, <laughs> turns out folk music pays really well. So I found out a few interesting tidbits, which I jotted down because I was so genuinely impressed with them. So her version of Amazing Grace was selected for preservation by the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress. So that's obviously, you know, very significant. Something else I thought was quite interesting was that she testified in support of the Chicago 7 and she played a song and annoyed Frank Langella. I don't remember the judge's real name. You all know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Judge Frank Langella. (laughs) Judge Frank Langella. And then the other thing, which I just was like, That is crazy. She performed at Bill Clinton's inauguration and Chelsea Clinton is actually named after her version of the song Chelsea Morning, which was a Joni Mitchell song, but Judy Collins covered it and it's that version that the Clintons named Chelsea after. It's like, you know when you just feel like it's almost like Forrest Gump, someone that's like turning up at like all of these significant events in history. Like that's Judy Collins. Yeah, particularly when it's somebody that I have never had any knowledge of previously and now apparently she's <laughs> everywhere <laughs> yeah good for judy collins she seems like she's got a fun fun energy yeah definitely and she also was on sesame street a lot which is obviously important for a puppet's podcast <laughs> she did give me the vibe of your favorite reception class teacher <laughs> Like somebody yes. you would think fondly of when you were sort of <laughs> in your 20s being like, what a good teacher I had. She did. She totally did have that vibe. I, and then like just that general sort of like hippie loving, teach the children, spread the message of peace vibe. That was. But also like a little bit of a, a sort of sense of humour as mm. well. Mm. Like not too earnest. And... No. So I was very interested when this episode opened and it said it was going to contain tobacco depictions and all I could work out was there was a lot of explosions with smoke. I think it was JP Gross with his cigar. Oh, for God's sake, of course it was. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I was just watching it going... Is it all the smoke from the explosions? <laughs> Is it just crazy Harry? <laughs> well, that may, I mean, we'll get to JP Gross. <laughs> but, I mean, again, immediately it seems like the shipment of uh, the Muppets <laughs> dynamite has come in. Because we're just, within seven seconds of starting, we're just blowing something up right next to Judy Collins. <laughs> I thought she took it gamely, considering <laughs> how close that explosion was to her. I know. I know. 
when I watched it the second time, I realized she sort of was like, oh my God. I think she like picked up the like little thing that went off because she was like, wow, this was close. <laughs> She's wearing a lot of flowy material. She's a folk singer. Well, she shouldn't be that close to an open flame. Also, it's the 70s. So it's probably all polyester. Like it would have gone up like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the cold opening was fun. And Statler and Wardorf's, do we have to watch this? Like, yep. <laughs> yes, you do. We do too. Yep. You're here for the long haul. The first time I watched it, I didn't even pick up Gonzo's trumpet. Like, I didn't even note it down, which I always do. But because it just sort of sounded like it was broken, I think in my head I was just like, oh, Gonzo's trumpet's broken. That's not a thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bit of a nothing. (laughs) Yeah, very, very much. And then something I feel like we absolutely would not have got in season one, but immediately with the introduction, with Kermit saying that Judy Collins is beautiful and talented, we get Piggy thinking that he's talking about her. Yes. <laughs> Which felt great. Yes, I think um, we're sort of seeing in this second season a lot more of the sort of bleeding in of the onstage, offstage action and actual sort of more character beats occurring in front of the red curtain rather than it all just being exclusively in the backstage area and it just makes it feel more real you know it's it's these characters that we're so familiar with that you can just have them wander on and make a joke and it will land because we're so familiar with their character traits now and it i i really like it it makes the vibe is a lot more it, we've come a long, we've come quite far from the sort of... We've come a long way. We've come a long way, baby, <laughs> from the those like just nondescript puppets making bad puns backstage. And now they are feeling more and more like fully rounded, familiar characters, which is nice. Which means you can just have a quick little joke like that and you go, haha, it's funny because Piggy is this person. Yeah, and also I think it underlines their relationships too. Yes. Which is essentially what is going to drive any of that backstage or character development forward is how they interact with each other and totally this you know this was totally in keeping with their character like you said sort of a quick a quick little joke to start the episode off on the right foot and then <laughs> yes and then, we head and to then. Narnia <laughs> I thought it looked like Florence Henderson's forest but in the winter oh yeah but wasn't Florence Henderson's forest also white as well this just looked expensive <laughs> It did. It. I mean, it looked significantly more expensive than Flores Henderson's forest. And it was for but... one two-minute song, and we never saw it again. And I was like, wow. Just... <laughs> <laughs> they might have banked it. I mean, it might come back in a future episode. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it, was, it was quite a set, considering how short and sweet the song was. Oh, hello there. Hi. Said the little brown mother-winged bat. I'll tell you the reason that, the reason that I fly in the night Is because I've lost my heart's delight Howdy-dowdy-diddle all day Howdy-dowdy-diddle all day Howdy-dowdy-diddle all day Howdy-dowdy-diddle I have to go and sing now with Woodpecker Find out what howdy-dowdy-diddle-dum means I will <laughs> This was, I found this Bizarre and also hilarious, but more just sort of like, I have to go and sing to the woodpecker now. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this leather wing bat song, did either of you know it? Because I did not know no. it. Absolutely not. Uh, we were not played folk music as a child, we were played Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, same but with Depeche Mode. Nice. So uh, that was, <laughs> that was not not in the Turner wheelhouse. Leatherwing bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was the thing I found kind of odd with it was that you had this beautiful, you know icy woodland set and judy being very winsome and kind of a little funny and then basically these kind of cartoonish puppets popping up you know that fox was it a fox what was the f- the bat sorry the it was bat a, it was, was the, the leatherwing bat then and the then woodpecker. the woodpecker and then a quite odd looking owl but the first two just looked so out of place in this quite sort of whimsical Narnia-esque. One of the things I found a bit odd about this was that Judy seemed to be taking it very seriously and she also didn't look 100% comfortable to me. In some of her later songs she looked much more comfortable and much more like I'm at the piano, I'm singing with Rolf, this is this is a lark and even, I mean we'll get to send in the clowns, but even with that her performance was obviously very, this is what I do. I'm singing my song that's made me very famous. But this, I don't know. I don't know whether there was the interaction with the puppets and the fact that she had to move through her Narnia or what. Like, she just didn't look 100% comfortable to me. And and I just, I, like, I felt a bit like, ooh, what, what are we going to get from this episode? Because she, she I, I was finding it very hard to read. Yeah. It felt more like a something from Sesame Street than yeah. the Muppet Show. I kind of wrote down that it was like a ragtag bunch of Muppets. <laughs> Definitely, they got her to sing. That to. owl. Um, I mean, the owl. Yeah. Um, I Ooh. I quite liked the sort of outfit she was wearing. That was quite nice. It was just lots of blouses. I cannot remember one. Lots of blouses. Yeah. I mean, it was quite a sweet little song, but it was quite random. The Muppets were also very quiet. They were like, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it also didn't help that their pieces were either single words or very short things. So if you didn't catch it the first time, that was it. You missed it. Move on. I jotted down that it felt quite kind of low key for a Muppet show opening. You know, not that I want to go full on crazy Harry explosions craziness every week, but like, this is the opening of the show, and there was no pep. There was no... <laughs> Although, <laughs> by, was... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the peppiest song we got today, this week, was There Was an Old Woman Who Swallowed a Fly. So, I mean, there's a, we're already getting so much tempo from Judy Collins, it seems. <laughs> Judy Collins is horizontal at best, <laughs> so we're finding out. <laughs> That's how her skin looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> no gravity. No gravity. <laughs> Seriously, people need to go and look at Judy Collins' website because when Emma sent it to me, I almost screamed. I was like, wow! (laughs) Uh, I have a note here saying that I am saying that Statler's wife is not canon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're just refusing refusing to believe it. At best, a beard. But I refuse to believe. What wife has he left at home? They live together in a one-bedroom apartment. (laughs) They live together in that box, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think they ever leave. (laughs) (laughs) so we go from judy's first song into the start of the backstage business and we've got scooter kermit and his uncle jp gross and he's talking to kermit and scooter about tearing the theater down and turning it into a junkyard i'm sure you were absolutely thrilled to see him lewis (laughs) so this episode to me 
uh, felt very validating because all I could think was I have been absolutely right about Scooter's character <laughs> the entire time. All Scooter does is follow the money. He doesn't care about the arts. He cares about profit. And he, like, I I felt, in, I was like, I am a very good judge of character. It's all I thought. <laughs> I don't care how sort of like, oh, gee, I'm just here to help out. You might be. I can always smell a freaking rat. I can <laughs> do it. Um, I, to be honest, was more concerned about the caricature of J.P. Gross, the the sort of slightly punch comic version of a a businessman. And I mean, I'm going to be honest. He had like a large nose. He was smoking a cigar. It there was it, it felt slightly anti-Semitic to me, or at least I don't. <sighs> I don't think, I mean, I personally didn't read it as anti-Semitic, but I think they were certainly, yeah, like you said, I mean, it almost felt more like a spitting image kind of puppet or something as opposed to a Muppet show puppet. Um, Yeah. I don't think, personally, I don't feel like there was enough to necessarily brand it anti-Semitic. Certainly in what we saw this week. um, Yeah, I, I think it was more just sort of like, he's obsessed with money. Yeah. I think part of it was the fact that the the puppet looked more human mm. than Muppety. You know, if he had been the same colour as Scooter, do you know what I yeah. mean? Or had been a bit more... It was just the fact that he looked so human mm-hmm. that made me slightly go, ooh, this is yeah. a little... Yeah. Uh, it, it made me a bit uncomfortable. I think he's just a big bully who is obviously obsessed with money. But then I think they also worked to... I don't know if undercuts the right word because obviously they were just really leaning into it. But the fact that you opened with him essentially telling someone how to play Monopoly, I thought was quite amusing. The later scene when he was going on about, I don't care how you get the widow's wheelchair, just get it and stuff. Like, I mean, it was... I mean, yeah, it is. um, Very silly. Taken to an extreme level. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is silly. You're right. Uh, uh, He's not sort of... um particularly malevolent or anything no. it is kind of a, a, a sort of a joke of a nefarious business a greedy businessman yes exactly but yeah. um yeah i mean the the whole sort of uh business of um <laughs> him coming out on i know i'm jumping ahead slightly but him coming out on stage while kermit's trying to do an introduction and just like yes. testing the, just testing the uh the floorboards. The, the floorboards which is laying some nice groundwork for the uh for the the final moment at the end it was quite a nice kind of uh bit yeah he does he just doesn't really feel like he belongs in the muppet world though does he like it's although i suppose maybe they thought that leaning into that would help create that real jarring sense of the muppets being a performance group yes who aren't business savvy who don't care about that and he's coming from the real world and is all about money but i just i yeah it's just not really something you want to see in mm. the Muppet Show, <laughs> yeah, unless it's being played by um, uh, oh my god, his name from the Muppets, the Jason Siegel. Uh, oh, oh, what Chris? Um, Colt? No, that's the guy from Glee. <laughs> that's the guy from Glee. <laughs> oh, what's his surname? Chris Christopherson? No, Chris. Chris Cross. Chris. Uh... <laughs> Chris Cross. <laughs> Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper! Yeah, maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. So, but there was some nice uh, sort of slight similarities with the uh, the sort of 2011 Muppet movie in that it's, uh, you know, 
the somewhat owner of the Muppet Theatre wanting to shut it down or blow it up or whatever. It was quite sort of like, oh, how funny. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the Muppets are constantly having to fight with their theatre being torn down for for gains. Yeah, although not to jump too far ahead, we do find out in a future episode that apparently Statler and Waldorf do not pay for their tickets to the theatre. So no wonder the Muppets Theatre is constantly at threat of shutting down if they're not charging their most regular customers. I tell you, they're not business folk, Lewis. They're all about the performance. They, they, they don't have a solid business plan. They haven't looked at their ticket revenue streams. You know, it's just... Look, I'm show people too, Jay, but I still have an accountant, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have an accountant. He does that work. I, I don't know. She does that work. Someone does that work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just very Liz Lemon of you. Like, they will be a doctor and she <laughs> will... <laughs> It's funny you mentioned Liz Lemon, Lewis, because I feel like the Pigs in Space sketch that we get is very woman's lib and is probably (laughs) something Liz would write for the girly show, to be honest with you. I can just see Tracy and Jenna doing that exact sketch with (laughs) the button and the, what is it, the electrifying mid-course correction manoeuvre. Yeah. When Miss Piggy shouted, don't shout at me, I'm a lady. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact as well, she was like, I've been training for this for 11 years. 11 years (laughs) to to push push a button. button. Yeah. Yeah, this one was a slightly different vibe to the previous Pigs in Space that we saw. I mean, it was it was a nice little sketch, but I think I prefer the ones with a bit more incident in them. You know, actual sort of um, sketches from Pigs in Space that are sort of parodying Star Trek or parodying Lost in Space rather than just, oh, here's our set where we can now do this equivalent of like who's on first like who's pushing the button kind of uh joke i think it's sort of a waste of a very nice set and all the sort of possibilities that doing a space set sketch offers you i thought this was really quite funny just how it escalated especially at the end between the two of them and i mean you could obviously see it coming that either neither of them were going to push the button and it was all going to go wrong or one of them was going to push the wrong button and it was all going to go wrong But it was quite enjoyable watching that build up Mm. and Piggy was just getting more and more crazed and (laughs) like clearly feels very put down and not appreciated for the efforts that she can put in to the to the swine trek. Do we think the course actually took 11 years to to complete what she she kept failing the course? (laughs) I know what you mean about it not like obviously this wasn't or I presume it wasn't a direct riff off a particular episode or scenario mm. that had happened in a Star Trek or similar. Yeah. I thought it was funny and I thought it was very well done and Link in particular who's um Jim Henson is puppeteering Link and at the end after Piggy had gone crazy he was just shaking in a way that I thought was very realistic. I feel like that is what you would do if Miss Piggy exploded at you. You would just stand there quivering, not not really sure what's going to happen next. Um, so, yeah, I like it was perfectly diverting and fine. And I thought it was solid. 
Yeah. It's a little sketch. Sorry, I've just I just suddenly got distracted because I just remembered. Have I review ever seen there's a SNL sketch that's cut for time from the Ariana Grande episode, which is um Judy Garland in space? It rings a bell, but I don't really remember. Okay, it. it's absolutely bonkers. They do it like a cinema classic sketch, and it's Ariana Grande playing Judy Garland, who she can do a very good impersonation of Judy Garland. And it's and it's like Captain Judy Garland on the like the spaceship, whatever, and she comes out of this ice tube and she starts singing Get Happy. And it's really bizarre, but it's really wholesome as well, because all of the other like secondary characters all clearly really want Judy to do well in the in the in, in the <laughs> And they're like, Captain Judy Garland. If anything would happen to you, I would die. <laughs> it's just, if it's still on YouTube, I would really recommend it. Just type Ariana Grande, Judy Garland, SNL. It's really cute. Is that every episode we've talked about Judy Garland now, Lewis? Oh, God. <laughs> it's Judy Garland via Ariana Grande. So. Yeah, but you you still said JG. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh... Yeah, I, well, at least we know one quiz question for the end of the season. <laughs> Yeah. How many episodes? How many episodes does Lewis mention Judy Garland? <laughs> it would have been her 100th birthday this year, so maybe she's just <laughs> on my brain. Oh. And what did you make of Pigs in Space, Emma? Oh, I thought it was fun. It was it was quite funny to see like Link and Miss Piggy fighting over the button. And I quite liked Dr. Julian Strangepork, where he was like, someone just <laughs> pressed the button. It was, yeah. I thought that was quite funny. And that random fourth pig who got to have a yeah. line. That would be like me as an extra. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to say, when we cut from Pigs in Space to then suddenly, I don't know, the Sam the Eagle conference hall, (laughs) complete with actual Sam the Eagle on a shield at the back. How badly I want that, I don't know, on a pin badge, on a t-shirt, on a baseball cap. It was so cool. (laughs) I really loved that little drawing. It was amazing. I love that he has his own seal. That he's he's, he's got somebody in the props department to make that for him so that he can give his address to the nation in the appropriate manner with his insignia. It was amazing. I, yeah, (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, it felt very, um, from what I know of the TV show Laugh-In, you know, where they would just have like a random one line or two line thing happen after a sketch that would comment on the sketch that just Mm -hmm. happened. I mean, my only point of reference for this is is, uh, The Simpsons and also 30 Rock when they've both uh, kind of parodied Laugh-In. But that's what it reminded me of. Like an authority figure comes on and says yes or no to the sketch that just happened. And then we're gone, and then that's it. Yeah, it did seem very short and sweet, but it I suppose it didn't need to be any longer that he just came on and sort of was like, following that last piece of material, I am dissociating myself. Yep, done, bye. <laughs> like- I really hope that maybe we're going to get some slightly longer sketches of maybe just Sam the Eagle doing his equivalent of, you know, the fireside chats, just <laughs> speaking to the nation from his, uh, you know, conference hall and uh, on, on topics that he feels are, are morally upright. <laughs> I just, I really want more Sam the Eagle. Me too. It was, we haven't really had a lot of him this season yet, I don't think, have we? No. No, no it was nice to see him and I'm glad... I mean, good for him disassociating himself with the show, although we know it doesn't happen. But, you know, <laughs> I, li- I like that he's 
I guess, kidding himself that he could ever leave the Muppets. <laughs> I think he realises that without the Muppets there as some sort of point of opposition, maybe he doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very nihilistic. I know. Well, you know, you try being a patriot in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And on that note... <laughs> So then we go into Judy's second song, The Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly, and they brought back the shadow puppets. <laughs> it was just terrifying. The, oh my goodness, like the weird, like old lady. And then every time when she rocked back and the little like animal jumped into her mouth and her little tummy grew, I was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, at the moment that little you know, uh, video in video, the shadow puppet popped up. I was like, no, no, oh God. I know an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed that fly. I guess I'll die. (laughs) I know an old lady who swallowed a spider that wriggled and tickled and jiggled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly, but I don't know why she swallowed the fly. I guess I'll die. (laughs) I know an old lady who swallowed a bird. How absurd, she swallowed a bird. (laughs) She swallowed the bird to catch the spider that wriggled and tickled and jiggled inside her. I found this so strange. And so not really very Muppet showy. And obviously because it's a nursery rhyme, it feels more sesame. But then because of the nature of the song, it's kind of got that slightly chaotic edge to it. So it also doesn't feel like the way that they did it with the shadow puppets doesn't feel particularly Sesame Streety. You know, it's not cute, adorable, colourful puppets. It's shadow puppets. See, see, weirdly, I thought actually the shadow puppets made it more Sesame Street because actually there is a kind of Muppet show version of this that you have a big drawbridge mouth grandma sitting somewhere and one thing comes in and then just, you know, or you have um, Gorgon Heap playing a grandmother who's just like... Well, exactly. Or even, you know, Mean Mama, our favourite Muppet of the show, like the season so far. Like you could have put a fuzzy grey wig on her or something and, you know, said Mean Mama was now grandma. Mama. No, that's the wrong yeah. way around. Me and grandma. <laughs> um, yeah, like, but I don't know. I Maybe it's just because of our aversion to shadow puppets at the we, present look, moment. We've made it very clear that Muppet <laughs> Station is an anti-shadow puppet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> until until we've been proven otherwise, you know, they yeah, need to... Until shadow puppets step up and prove otherwise, we are <laughs> taking a quite hard stance against shadow puppets. The whole thing I found very... <laughs> Very, very bizarre. I wrote down, I feel like I'm at some hippie youth camp. I just, I like, I really, <laughs> I know, I realise again, it's the song and the way that the song develops, but it went on. Like, it really went on. It was. It was really long. Yeah. I, this was the only time where I hadn't made up my mind on whether I liked Judy Collins's voice, mm-hmm. the singing voice at this point. And this song, I... I was like, no, this is annoying. But what I then subsequently realised was, no, I'm finding this song annoying. Because yes, there's only the so song. many ways you can sing this song. Do you know, it is just a, a sort of, you know, it's a sing-songy kind of, you know, 
You can't really play around with it. It's so repetitious as well. Like, yeah. I don't know whether the Stoutland and Waldorf inserts helped or whether they actually just elongated the whole thing and made it worse. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, I, I liked the final punchline. I swallowed my gum. How very dumb. I was like, okay, great. That's that's fine. But the mm. whole song was not worth the effort so that Stoutland and Waldorf could make that joke. No, it was not. <laughs> Apart from one number with Judy, she's kind of always stuck with these weirdo puppets. So in the first one, she's got these off-the-rack Muppets. In this one, she's got mm. shadow puppets. Obviously, she gets Rolf for what I assume is the UK spell. No, that's... No. Oh, good. Oh, is that... Um, no, I got that wrong. But we get her with Rolf. And then at the end, it's... The clowns. Um... <laughs> But really, she only gets to directly interact with main cast Muppets in her scooter opening, mm. the end credits, and one song with Rolf. There's, and it's kind of a shame that we don't, because she seems very game. Because even at the end of this number, the Swallow the Fly, you see her look off camera and laugh at someone at the kind of like ludicrousness of this whole thing. And I was like, oh, look, she has, you know, personality and a sense of humour. And it's such a shame that we don't really get to see her bring that side out. It's just her singing a lot of ballads or mid-tempo songs. That was exactly what I thought. I felt like, oh, look, she's she's laughing. She's enjoying herself. And I didn't really feel like we got that from her throughout the whole episode. And the leather wing bat and also this just felt like she felt like she needed to portray them in this quite kind of yeah I like I don't know what the right exact right word is but just sort of in a sincere way I suppose yes. and not yeah. not really play with them at all and she clearly had more more to give than they necessarily yeah. gave her scope to do I agree one thing I did just write down is uh, at the moment when the old lady swallowed the goat I was like does that mean she's a throat goat <laughs> Moving on. Newsflash. <laughs> Just another explosion. I thought this was quite funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, obviously. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure my beautiful Muppet newsman was okay. He was fine. He had it under control. <laughs> it's the way he went. There it was, folks. <laughs> Great. And then we move back into the backstage business. And this time, Piggy has her little moment with J.P. Gross. And... I wasn't sure exactly what to make of her saying, how could anyone that's so rich be so good looking? I assumed that was meant to just be taken at face value of like, oh, she knows he's rich, therefore she's attracted to him for that reason. Yeah, I thought it was like the, you know, the uh, the gentleman prefer blondes, Marilyn thing mm. saying, you wouldn't marry a woman just because she's beautiful and I wouldn't marry a man just because he's rich. But golly, doesn't it help? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I just... <laughs> and I'm very happy for Piggy to be a gold digger. Get that get that money, honey. <laughs> like, yeah. He looks old. He does not look well. He will <laughs> I don't think he'll get through a cold winter, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think he'd survive a piggy high. Yeah. I think we we're quite fortunate that Kermit got in the way because otherwise I think we might have had our first Muppet casualty. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> a sheet over him and like dragging his body off they're still leaning into the pig jokes as well though aren't they because he said about hog calling with this and i do i I am curious to know when those pig jokes dissipate because they obviously go at some point but they're they're not gone yet she's still being very much referred to as 
a pig. Mm. Yeah. That little bit of business of Kermit getting smacked and then slamming into his desk was yes. very good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so when we move on to this next brief little moment, was this the UK spot? No. 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 Okay. I have no <laughs> I don't know. I do I do not read the Wikipedia or the Muppet Wiki before we start the show. I like to be the 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 one that's finding it out on the show. <laughs> But um, Link getting to have a little number where the trees all decide to leave. He is wearing an outfit that I actually own. <laughs> so that, that's like wide, that wide neck, like large collar shirt, a neckerchief and some like high waisted trousers. I was like, I could pick out all three of these items from my wardrobe right now. Can I ask this, when you wear them, do your limbs also seem to double or triple in length and gangliness? Because <laughs> it I depends like on your dress, was... Jade. As we all learned, if you do a high-waisted trouser, you can elongate the leg. <laughs> okay, Lewis, but no one should have... His limbs were like, ooh, they were so long. He looked like one of those things outside of a car showroom that's like <laughs> flapping in the breeze. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yes, maybe there was a bit too much elongation going on. It was a bit weird. (laughs) I am now going to do the inaugural crowning of a new feature that I am bringing in right now called Lewis's Outfit of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to link in I Like to Talk. Oh, no, not I Like to Talk to Trees. I Talk to the Trees. Yes, it is. It's it's not the award for what is actually the best outfit on the show, but the one that Lewis would be most likely to wear. In day-to-day life. I hope there are some weeks with some truly terrible outfits where you now still have to say which one you would wear. I'll find something. <laughs> are we are we saying it's just on the guest or can it be on a Muppet too? On a Muppet too. Okay. I feel yeah. like you've just given yourself some leeway there. I've... <laughs> Guest or Muppet, or like, as in, I'm not just going to say I'll wear Fozzie's neckerchief every week when there's not a good one. I will choose a a a, a one-off outfit. Okay, there we okay. go. Fine. So this week, <laughs> Link, whatever his name is, gets Lewis's outfit of the week. <laughs> I'll think of a better name. No, I think that's a perfectly fine name. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to see where else this goes. <laughs> Who knows? Talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. I'm not listening anymore of this. <laughs> yeah, let's leave. Oh, boy. <laughs> ah, that turkey talks ragtime. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I felt like this was a bit Wayne and Wondery. He basically yes. got two lines into the song, and the trees told him that they didn't want to talk to him and they were bored of it and they were leaving and then that was it. Yeah, solid. Like, But it begs the question, why wasn't it just Wayne and Wonder? Why was it Link? Maybe they burnt those puppets. No! <laughs> As we know, I always loved Wonder's outfit, so that makes me sad if Wonder and her uh, little wardrobe got got on the heap no well what was it we decided was Wanda's um conclusion to her back like what was what did she do after the Muppet I'm trying to remember what we decided for her it was quite nice (laughs) I feel like didn't she like 
find a group and do some vaudeville somewhere maybe for the rest of her days. Or did she join, did she join um, Moomenshans? I can't remember what we... Oh, maybe, yes. yes. I think that was it, yes. yeah. <laughs> so she, I think she did burn all of her old possessions because now she's just wearing black turtlenecks and... Just you know, black. And masks. I only wear black. I am not poor. Anna Delphi? <laughs> oh my God, Anna Delphi was in Moomenshans. Anna Delvey would never have been in Moon Shots. <laughs> Why are you wearing those stupid masks? <laughs> what are you doing with that clay? Clay is for sculptures. <laughs> uh, watch Inventing Anna on Netflix. <laughs> Shonda does not need the money, but watch it anyway. <laughs> Shonda doesn't need the money, but that production sure did by about episode four. Yeah. We spent too much money actually shooting at Rikers Island. They're like, oh God, we spent everything. <laughs> How long are these episodes? Oh, crap. I think they uh, they, they spent too much on the Mamunia Riyadh when you get to that episode. Oh, I have not got... It's beautiful. I haven't got to the Riyadh yet. But I am going to a Riyadh next month. So. Are you going to Marrakesh? Yes. Or are you going somewhere else? Yeah. You go. Mamunia is genuinely like one of the nicest hotels I've ever been to go for dinner is amazing and you can also go and take a selfie where one of the Kardashians did oh my god oh my god (laughs) (laughs) what they do in the show so um I have actually purchased a kaftan for my (laughs) oh god But I think I'm only going to wear it in our Riyadh and not yes. just uh, out and about. I think that's probably a good move. <laughs> I'm very excited for my caftan. <laughs> There's a very high slit, though. It's like it's quite Angelina Jolie in a way. <laughs> be careful with those uh, photos, then, Lewis. <laughs> I was going to say, be careful with those gams. <laughs> like, you... Well, sure. <laughs> All right. Same thing. Moving swiftly on as far away from Marrakech as you can get to the planet Coosbane. We're back on Coosbane. We're back on Coosbane. <laughs> the people were demanding. <laughs> we want Coosbane, apparently. Because <laughs> here we are. Emma, what the hell did you make of this? <laughs> oh, I really liked it. I love seeing like the reporter Kermit back again. And I thought it was quite funny that you had, I think it is called the Kuzbanian Foob. Yeah. Who was the Thoob. Yeah, who was slowly like adapting and changing into Kermit. I I just thought it was really, really funny. And then the payoff at the end where they started fighting each other was just (laughs) hilarious. And Kermit was like, no, I'm the real Kermit. No, I'm the Kermit. And oh my God, it was so good. Kermit had other Kermit in a full on (laughs) chokehold. He had his arm (laughs) around his neck and was pulling. I'm the real Kermit, folks. Yeah, I love this. This was pure Muppet show, wasn't it? That you had a Muppet that was evolving and changing in a silly, slightly scary, but also very funny (laughs) way that you had Kermit trying to hold down the fort and do his little reporter number. I also loved that the the idea of their evolution was that they've been able to evolve by blending into the crowd. It just felt like it was very, very well thought through. And it escalated really nicely. And yeah, it was just a really, really solid sketch. And also just nice to have that throwback to Kuzbane, that this is something that actually does exist in the Muppet universe. This is a place that we've been several times now. Yeah, it's Mm. an interesting bit of um, continuity. Do we think that when it got to the bit where it was just the two Kermits, it was just Jim? Yeah, I think so, Emma. Because I think the way that they were moving, I sort of felt like it was... Like a bit like when we had the mirror 
thing yeah. from um, Duck Soup. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That it kind of looked like that similar sort of movement. So I, I thought that so. was really clever as well. That was mm. a really nice touch because it, like you said, it completely mirrored and was a really clever thing to do because I think if they had another puppeteer doing the other Kermit, you would have seen through it. So I think that was a really nice touch. You would have felt, yeah. felt the difference. Yeah. It was Jerry Nelson who played the foob. And I think obviously the first time that you saw him as he was evolving, I think that was Jerry Nelson doing his Kermit. But then at the end, it was just Jim doing doing both of them. Um, do tell us if we're wrong, listeners, but I think I think we're on the money there. I think. Jade, you don't have to invite listeners to tell us <laughs> they're just wrong. Do it. They'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we love each and every one of you (laughs) mostly and now lewis to answer your question you keep asking this is the uk UK spot spot. which i did realize at that yeah i had forgotten that this was coming um somebody help that poor old man (laughs) (laughs) he's hanging i could not enjoy this sketch because genuinely i was so worried for waldorf's welfare because i had written down at the end of the kuzbane sketch oh i assume waldorf fell because they'd cut briefly and then we have an entire sketch where sam is talking to statler and waldorf is just desperately hanging on i would have fallen so much earlier <laughs> than oh my waldorf God. he's did. got serious upper body strength where's that coming from yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> from years of like shaking his fists yeah. and heckling going, <laughs> i would have fallen within like two puns long gone <laughs> Long dead. And just to circle back on what you just said, I thought it was quite interesting that you did get that little bit of him hanging off the edge before it cut to black. So obviously that must have been in the episode that went out everywhere. And then we just, you know, UK Spot got Sam the Eagle chatting to Statler with the continuation of that. Mm. But obviously in America, they wouldn't have got that. But other than Miss Mousy, who we didn't really get the sense of that she was going to get... Who certainly did fall to her death. (laughs) We've not really had that before, I don't think, where the UK spot's been sort of set up in the main show and Mm. then just continued in the UK spot. I can't think of another one that's like that. I'm glad they're doing it, though, because it does feel slightly more fulfilling for the English audience rather than just being handed something that wholesale could just be lifted out like, I'm sorry, Emma, a piano Rolf number. (laughs) That is just him saying nothing and just playing a number. This actually feels almost like a special treat. Yeah. They they are giving us something that took another, you know, a bit more time to come up with and actually threads directly into the episode rather than just something that could be easily snipped out. Mm. Although it can still easily be snipped out, you know. Yeah, it's it does seem crazy to think that for some people who obviously originally saw it in America, that this is the first time since it's been... I mean, obviously, unless they've kind of managed to see full versions online elsewhere, that they've, you know, actually seen the UK spots now. Mm. It must be an odd thing. It's like when they released that um, video of Bedknobs and Broomsticks where they cut some of the songs back in that they had uh, previously cut. And you're like, what the what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting as well, because to use your example of Rolf, obviously, like he does a lot of the UK spots. So... Think how little of Rolf, for instance, American audiences would have seen. Because especially like last season, almost all of the UK sports yeah. were Rolf. And without that, you know, he didn't have that many other numbers or sketches. So 
even with this, with like a little bit more character development for Statler and Waldorf and Sam the Eagle, mm. you know, you would be missing missing that. Like this episode felt like it had a really decent amount of Sam the Eagle in. Mm. But again, if you didn't have this, you would have literally just had his few seconds of saying he was disassociating and, and leaving. I kind of felt like this was maybe just that little bit repetitive with how the setup and the punchlines were going with Sam and Statler's chat and then how Wardorf was reacting. But I actually found like the second time I watched it, I don't know. I don't know if it's because then I, I wasn't expecting anything else to happen and I knew that it was just that. I sort of was like, no, this is this is pleasant. This is fine. This is okay. It's the experience I've had, Jade, the se- watching uh, the episodes of And Just Like That the second time round. <laughs> You've watched them the second time, Lewis. Yeah, I have, Jade. <laughs> and you know what it is actually better the second time around because you're not just sat there reeling at what the hell is happening because you know everything that's coming it you, you can sort of jade genuinely i didn't think i was going to have this stance but i did find myself appreciating each episode a bit more because you're just like okay this is where we are <laughs> i feel this like is this is, is some sort of stockholm syndrome though lewis like, <laughs> like this is you're just like you've been sucking in and, and and now you're just like this is my world now like the beast is gonna and give me a like library that, my my defenses were down <laughs> yeah okay well fine but yeah no i like i take your point completely which is i think when you know that there's not anything else coming when you know what's coming <laughs> you're like okay yeah so then judy gets another number i guess she's a singer i mean she didn't have any sketches did she so i suppose they were just like as many songs as they could possibly fit in now knowing what we know that julie andrews is coming this season it does seem surprising to utilize a a well-known sound of music number uh earlier in the season i wonder if they did or didn't know that julie andrews was booked at this point yeah i wonder that too I wonder whether they just didn't just didn't have her in the diary yet and <laughs> she she wasn't on the Philofax. <laughs> <laughs> Julie's Philofax. <laughs> that sounds like the original pitch for whatever Julie's Green Room was on Netflix. <laughs> she pitched it to ABC back in the day and they were like, No. <laughs> you gotta wait for that streaming money. <laughs> Oh, R.I.P. Julie's Green Room. <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, I used to play these and put a book up in front of me and read while I practiced. Wow, I guess that's easy for you. But you know, it's tough to play the piano and chase cars at the same time. <laughs> How about playing a duet with me? Oh, listen, that's why I'm here. Okay. Thank you. 
face was adorable though, wasn't it? Oh, it was so sweet. So sweet. I mean, what's not to love? Rolf, Do Re Mi, okay, Judy I Collins. Thought you were going to literally end the list with just <laughs> Rolf. Rolf. <laughs> <laughs> end of list. <laughs> it's just like... Basically just Rolf. <laughs> No, it was very cute. And again, it has that thing where, you know, that thing I love of just musicians doing a bit of patter when they're at a piano. and But it's two pianos and they're talking to one another. I was like, yeah, I'd have a cocktail and listen to them do this for an hour. Very cute. <laughs> oh, I thought it was so, it was really, really funny. And then obviously when she was like, and I read a book when I'm doing it, he was like, it'd be a bit difficult to read a book and chase cars. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to get a negative critique of Rolf from <laughs> Emma ever. <laughs> it's never going to happen, folks. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it was really, really lovely. The one thing I did, like, it was just short, wasn't it? Like, they only yeah. did a tiny, tiny little bit of the song. And I, and especially when it first opened, they were playing the... I'm sorry, you know my voice is nowhere near good enough, but the... Now we know the notes to sing and then they never actually got to that part of the song and mm. yeah i'm one i was wondering whether it was a rights thing or they could only afford to yeah. pay for like a certain portion <laughs> i don't know how that if that's how it works <laughs> i don't know how it works with broadcast i know that in radio if you only play up to 30 seconds you don't have to pay for it nice. but i don't think that's the same with broadcast because obviously it's recorded and I think it's the difference between it going out live versus it being something that can be repeated. So, mm. but I don't know. I mean, maybe they maybe they struck a deal to just say that they'd only do a little bit of it or something. But it just seems odd when you kind of just think like, you could have not had the opening number or this could have been the opening number and we could have had the whole song or even maybe not the whole song, but more of the song. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> Do Re Mi does get a little repetitive. It just go on. Does go on <laughs> you know, if you don't, if you don't have the imagery of uh, Julie Andrews and seven, seven children in uh, play clothes <laughs> running around various beautiful <laughs> locations in Salzburg, it does get a little samey. <laughs> I would have loved to see Rolf balancing on <laughs> like a, what is that is that a balustrade or what you know like the wall that's what i always think of with do re mi when they're like they're walking along the edge of the garden on the wall they're not on a wall they're on a fountain isn't there a bit on a wall i mean there's jade there's a lot of locations (laughs) like they're on bicycles they're walking around a fountain they're sitting in a a, a horse and cart being taken through a street they're up in the mountains (laughs) like i mean clearly Lewis, lots of options here for Rolf to <laughs> have a little run around. <laughs> Rolf could be chasing behind the horse and cart, but still wearing some lederhosen. <laughs> Rolf would look very cute in lederhosen. He would. He would. <laughs> His big round body. That might have got your outfit of the week. <laughs> oh, lederhosen, without question. <laughs> Speaking of Lederhosen, should we go straight into Swedish Chef? Hold on, I want to stop off very quickly at the Kermit and Gonzo um, little insert. Yes, Gonzo being more wacky in one sentence than he's been for the entire first season. So I think this is the moment that I've mentioned last week where he's yelling no, that I think in the book it's been wrongly attributed to the end of season one. I think it's actually the start of season two. And this is where Dave Goals is saying that he found Gonzo's character. Yes. And that exactly like you just said, that in that that one reaction, 
he kind of realised who Gonzo was. It was amazing. His response of, what a terrific idea for an act. is like, it's so perfect. It's so Gonzo. Yeah, I loved the it. Artist Gonzo is gone. He's now just... Uh, maniac. Maniac Gonzo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, what we were saying earlier about like being able to have these very short, sharp interactions between Muppets and quick backstage moments... But they move the story along. They tell you so much about the character. This definitely feels really right for Gonzo. Like, it's all there. And this was, boy, it was no longer than 30 seconds, probably. Like, yeah. yeah. Long may this kind of thing continue with the backstage business, you know, that that all of the Muppets get a little little moment, but it feels on brand and and is funny as well. So speaking of backstage business, I did just want to mention as we're moving into this Swedish chef sketch that i really liked that we had some backstage business happening while a sketch was actually happening on stage and you can still faintly hear it happening it suddenly felt like i don't know singing in the rain or something where you've got one act going on here and there's some plot business going on over there and i really hope it's something they do some more of because it makes it feel so real and alive and i think the other thing as well is something i think we've talked about before but with the traditional backstage bits, what's going on on stage yeah. when Kermit's out the back and Fozzie's out the back? Because they're always sort of talking about who's on next. You've normally already seen the last act walk off behind them. Yes, that's the so most what, we'd ever really see. Yeah, What is going on on stage at that moment? Whereas <laughs> right now we know Swedish Chef is on stage because we can still hear his music and some bork borks and things. And <laughs> it's, it's great. I don't know what you all thought when as soon as I saw his boom boom was on the, uh, on, on the table, I was like, oh my God, what's he going to shoot? That's a way to make salad exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but what I also really appreciated was it, was, it wasn't like a... Um, a Muppet style quick cut. It was Swedish chef tosses a big round vegetable up in the air. Somebody clearly out of camera catches that. He shoots the gun and then the Brussels sprouts or the diced lettuce falls all in one cut. So there is somebody there with like a bag of lettuce ready to like toss it down. Somebody else is ready to catch it. It's it's very cool. I really liked it because I was looking for the quick cut and there wasn't one. No, I agree. It was it was all done, I think, in in, in one take, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, in camera. I did very much enjoy his pronunciation of lettuce. It's like, yes, that's a more fun way of saying lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to make lettuce more exciting. <laughs> the coconut one was just weird, though, right? Like, I mean, silly, but what? <laughs> any, any. Can anyone shed any light on this or was it just some Muppet absurdity, do we think? I think it was just like a bit of Muppet absurdity because it was a rubber chicken that fell from the ceiling, wasn't it? And it was like, I don't understand. Where's this come from? (laughs) And then the coconut still came down and hit him on the head. (laughs) Oh, knocking out Swedish Chef was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. He just collapsing into his bowl. (laughs) Boof. There's few things funnier than somebody being rendered unconscious. Like, just... I also thought that Statler and Mordorf's little puns were not half bad. The the smorgasbord of health. Yeah. And then the I'm smorgasbord. Like Yeah, like, no, that was really funny. funny. Further proof that Scooter is evil that he immediately was <laughs> picked up a mallet and was ready to smash up the theatre. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just walking. laughs> he has absolutely gone right to the like 
I was briefly near the scooter scooter and now, like... (laughs) It doesn't want to be poor, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot try and make me like Scooter by making him the Muppets Anna Dorothy. (laughs) I will, just because I love a girl, a a girl boss, a gatekeeper, what's it? (laughs) No, no, you will not use my love of scam artists. (laughs) <laughs> and want to be heiresses to try and make me like Scooter. <laughs> oh. Well, I tried. Right. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Right. We're moving straight on. Send in the clowns. Terrifying. Oh boy. <laughs> A fundamental misunderstanding of what this song is actually about, because it's not actually about clowns. (laughs) It's about a woman realising that she has admitted her love for somebody too late and now she is embarrassed about, like, she, you know, it's not actually about clowns. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Judy Collins. told her they were going to do this alongside her performance <laughs> because she's staring into that middle distance she's singing her heart out this is she's her doing song. the stagecoach middle distance she's, she's there she's, she's there and then we pan ever so slightly and in a shocking dissolve the most oh. terrifying creatures appear on screen i think i want to say now are these the most terrifying Muppet men we've ever had? I'm still not sure. Those ones in the Charles Aznavour with the heads, I think, might pip it for me. But these are definitely up there. Yeah. They were freaky. And they were so, like, ooh, I'm a clown and I'm so silly. <laughs> yeah, it was just, oh. I mean, I don't usually have a problem with clowns. Uh, <laughs> every day I look in the mirror. you know. But um, these were... Awful. And also, did you notice in the credits, no choreography credit. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody was taking responsibility for this. I kind of feel like Judy probably watched this episode back and thought, okay, this is my big number. And then I feel like she would have probably like spat her coffee out and be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the? It's just such a misunderstanding. It was just so jarring, the tone between the two. Like it didn't... And you can't even say it was in counterpoint no. because she was she was singing it middle distance, Sincere. Twiggy, Memoriam vibes. That's what we had going on. And then you had these st- 
stupid clowns. Like, just like, ooh, look at me being goofy. Who were doing literal choreography and just deflating the song. Like, basically kind of doing it semi-seriously. When they started doing that slow-mo leaping, I was like, please let me die. <laughs> I just, oh, it, I hate... I'm so annoyed because I love, I love this song. I love it. And Judy Collins sounded so good singing it. And it makes total sense that this won a Grammy. You know, it was fantastic. And then just to have these horrible, horrible clouds. It's just really disappointing. It just feels like this is the bit that you're like, oh, you still haven't learned from season one. Because actually, you can be silly, but do it in a sophisticated way yeah. that that doesn't lead to something like this which yeah it's just fundamentally flawed from its very core the idea is just terrible that slow slow fade to a blackout <laughs> with judy just looking straight at the camera was so weird <laughs> oh Oh, Emma, any other thoughts on sending the clunes? Oh no, just that it was terrifying, really. Yeah. To think that they did that to her big song. I yeah. If she if she didn't sue, Jim Henson was a lucky man, quite frankly. <laughs> and then we just get our little bit of Judy with the Muppets interaction in what I thought was potentially one of my favourite uh over the credits jokes ever. Like, we get the button to the joke about these floorboards are all rotted. And then JP Gross goes down and then all the other Muppets just start piling into this hole. And Judy's trying to, like, grab hold of them and save them. I thought it was really good. It's really cute and it's really funny. And it felt like a very, very good end to this this yes. runner that I suppose because of JP Gross, the runner itself felt quite up and down. But actually, like all of our regular Muppets, as well as some of the other, because like I think the bat went flying into the hole as well. Oh. <laughs> so it was kind of nice that there were like some of the one-off Muppets from the episode as well that were involved in, in the goodbye. Yeah, it just felt like a nice sort of conclusion to the episode, didn't it? And just made me sad that Judy didn't get more direct interaction with the Muppets beyond yeah, definitely. fucking clowns. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> like that little bat at the beginning. Just, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, I'm going to be very interested to see how we each uh, rank this episode. But first, we must do our MVMP, our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, why don't you kick us off? So, my MVMP for this episode is going to be Sam the Eagle. Yay! Yay! Um, his little address at the start of the show was really funny when he was like, I am disassociating myself from this show. <laughs> and then his part in the UK spot um, with Statler, I just thought it was so funny. It was just really kind of snappy. It was good to see Sam as a character develop and interact more. And I just thought it was a really good journey into seeing like the character of Sam and where he's going. Yeah. So yeah, for this episode, my MVMP is going to be Sam the Eagle. How about you, Jade? I wasn't sure who to go for this episode, but when I went back through my notes, I was like, no, there was a sketch that stood out heads and shoulders above the rest for me. And that was Kuzbane. So I'm going to go with the Foob. The Kuzbanian Foob. <laughs> Foob. Because... I thought it was really, really clever. I thought it was very well done, very well executed. The fact that he eventually turns into Kermit, if you want to say that's the same character, is fun. 
I was um, going to say, do you have to choose yeah. one particular stage of foo? But you're choosing, or are we <laughs> just taking? Is it like the Doctor and Doctor Who? They are all the Doctor, but just uh, they are all they're all the they're, we're all foo. Um, we're all foobs. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking that, and yeah, I I thought it was a a really fun little sketch, and I liked I liked seeing that Muppet in all of its different guises. I thought it was really solid and. In a lot of ways, it was. I think the placement of that sketch was really good within the episode too. Like, gave a give a high midpoint to the episode. So yes, the foob, uh, Lewis. How about you, Sam the Eagle? <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. The second he walked on in his little conference room with that little shield, I just thought, I love you. You're fantastic. <laughs> so, if anything, I, I kind of want to just give it to the shield, <laughs> the, the sort of Sam the Eagle. <laughs> you just picture Captain America running through. I don't know any Marvel movie with just a little big Sam the Eagle shield (laughs) but i will give it to sam but really it's a vote for the shield (laughs) i think he designed that so i think that's okay i would hope (laughs) all right let's move on to our rankings for the week jade what are you gonna give this episode you're making me go first okay i am uh all right i'm gonna go five and a half eleven years at school out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was quite a lot to enjoy in this episode that mainly came from the Muppets. I thought I enjoyed Pigs in Space. Sam the Eagle was amazing. The Foob and Kuzbane was really good fun. I did enjoy Doremi and the Swedish chef was solid. And as we were just saying, I liked how they were intercutting that with the backstage business as well. Basically, all of Judy's other numbers other than Doremi, I could very much leave them. Like they, they were not, they were not what I want from the Muppet show particularly. And it was a real shame that she only got to have a proper interaction with Rolf as a main Muppet. The runner was just a bit strange, I think. Like, I just don't Mm. think that JP Gross really fitted with the vibe of the show. So yeah, so I think it was fine. I think there was enough Muppety stuff in there to keep it going. It wasn't, other than the send in the clowns, it wasn't terrible. But we've definitely seen a lot better. So, yeah. Lewis, what about you? What's your rating? <sighs> yeah, much the same as you, Ree. I think I'm going to give it five folksy blouses <laughs> out of ten. I'm disappointed that Judy just didn't get to do more with the, you know, Main key Muppets. cast Muppets. Because yeah. I mm. bet she would have really, she would have flourished. Because she seems to have a sense of humour. And she just kind of got a bit stuck with doing ballads i didn't mind the runner too much i mean it just reaffirmed my hatred for scooter which is always happy to be proven right um sam the eagle was fantastic i really enjoyed swedish chef forgot to mention loved his golden extractor fan in the back of his scene that was very kitsch i was like "Ooh, peter when we have our own place can we have one of those um it just felt the whole episode just sort of felt a bit it's not as bad as one of those episodes from season one where nothing really gels together we really appreciated how cohesive the episode was how things were bleeding in and out of backstage and on stage and into the uk spot for example so it's showing uh, a step forward in some ways in terms of the writing of the muppet show episode but just the actual content itself didn't hit as much so yeah five folksy blouses out of ten Emma. Well, I think I'm probably going to go for the same sort of scores that you guys have gone for. 
I went for five and a half do re mis out of ten. Haha, <laughs> 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 of course. Um, my highlights were probably the duet with uh, Rolf and Judy. Um, Swedish chef, Sam the Eagle, because obviously I said he was my MVMP. I liked the sort of, a bit like you said, Lou, the backstage business was sort of running into the main stage bits. And also that whole ending bit with Swedish chef, Swedish ugh. The whole bit at the end with Swedish... I can't say his name. No, Emma, we haven't got enough time for you to say it correctly, unfortunately. I've got to get to a contentious brunch. (laughs) So essentially, yeah, my rating is five and a half do re mis out of ten. Solid episode. Some bits I could have done without, but there was some excellent bits with Rolf, Swedish chef, and Sam the Eagle. Perfect. Lovely. Jade, book club? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel like you're just talking in like monosyllables at this point. Yes, and yet you're adding. <laughs> I've got to get some boots on. Got to, I'm sorry. <laughs> get some boots on. Okay, so this this bit speaks directly to this episode this week. So this is taken from the making of the Muppet Show of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch. I have the feeling, says Jim Henson, that Frank Oz could take any puppet unless he had a complete block about it and turn it into a star. He's that good and he has the ability to make the character sympathetic. Mostly, though, you have to count on finding just the right match between character and puppeteer, the match that sparks the performer to add what's in the script. Jerry Jewell agrees, adding, Sometimes the writing is at fault too. Whatever the case, you can generally tell right away within a couple of shows. You just know it's not going to work. Some characters fail because they are basically unsympathetic. On our show, says Henson, even the villains have to be sympathetic. Scooter's uncle, J.P. Gross, was a good concept so long as we didn't see him. But when we introduced him in person, he was just too harsh. You didn't want to have him around. And it goes on to something else um, that's in season two, which I will discuss on a later episode. But I thought it's quite... Yeah, a little bit of a cliffhanger with the book club. Um, But I thought it was interesting that Christopher Finch was writing this during the last season of the show. And even then, they were still looking back at J.P. Gross as... Mm a failure of a character who just didn't didn't work on the show yeah i would agree <laughs> and on that note thank you so much for listening to muppet sational if you've enjoyed the episode don't forget to subscribe rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast you can follow us on social media we are at muppet sational on instagram twitter tiktok and facebook you can contact us at hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com Thank you so much for listening to Muppetational. I, I've got to go. I've got to hail a pumpkin coach. No, I've been Lewis Chandler. I'm going to take my time here. I've been Jay Turner. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much I for listening. I will <laughs> And I've been Emma Chandler. Thank you so much. We will see you next week on another episode of Muppetational. I've got some eggs Florentine to eat. Bye. 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 Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) 